This, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Do I know my own worth? I'm getting there. It's definitely been a journey. We sell confidence to our business leaders, so it's so important for us to be confident. And if you're not a confident person naturally, how do you do that? I'm very aware that I don't know everything about risk management, and I never will. And I'm completely okay with that. I have like a whole group of people that I can go to and bounce ideas around and be like, hey guys, I have this challenge. Having that mindset also takes that pressure off of we need to have the solutions all the time because we don't. We're just individuals who can help facilitate conversations open their eyes to you know different perspectives ultimately the answers are within them we just need to pull them out considering getting a mentor don't just restrict yourselves to to safety branch out of your your industry branch out of your country <laughs> we need to invest in ourselves closing comment invest in yourself Hey, Sally, welcome to the podcast. Hi. I can't believe it's taking this long, if I'm honest. Um, I've probably known you for, when did we learn? Future Leaders, the first time I met you, I think, wasn't it? And you met me. Yeah. That Which, was when was that? COVID 2019. It was because we weren't allowed to do a face to face conference, were we? We yeah. had to do that digital. So, three years ago? Yeah. I Forever. think like. 2019 2020 around that time long time ago seems like forever ago mm, yeah so did you come on when we did the future leader group i can't remember were you in that the, not the whole group didn't make that so i know we had some of us but i can't remember if we had all of us because we had ideas that we were going to do like a, a monthly episode which just never happened so um that was a shame but yeah i think i actually did i think you did yeah. I'm pretty sure I was there. I mean, how could I miss an opportunity to get on rebranding safety? Um, as a loud American, I mean, <laughs> nothing more that I enjoy. Um, but yeah, well, no. I'm, I'm in, in case anyone doesn't know you, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Sunit Atwal. I am a risk professional, super passionate about bringing diverse perspectives to help businesses thrive. Um, I that sort of led me to work in a range of different industries. I've worked for small organizations and global businesses um, in both UK and international roles. And I say this all the time, but I absolutely love what I do. Um, love working in risk, um, love working in QHSC. Um, and I, you're gonna hate me for saying this, but I'm gonna say it anyway. Um, and this is not allowed to be cut out of the podcast. <laughs> I. Literally, James, you have had such a big influence on my career. I have been watching your YouTube videos when you were carrying around ladders and ranting about those and how we do ladder inspections to listening to your full podcast. Um, and and you've really made a difference in my career. And I am so stoked to to actually be on as a guest today um, and to have a chat. So thank you for everything that you do for our profession. Thanks. Could, could you feel how awkward I feel? Like, I just have no idea what to do when people are saying nice things. I'm just like, like, what do I do with my hands? <laughs> um, thank you. That's very kind of you um, and, and massively appreciated. So thank you very much. Um, we'll make sure I cut that out. Um, no, I won't cut it out. I won't cut it out. Um, so I wanted to talk to you, Sonny, because you're kind of like everywhere. 
like you're in like so many groups and networking bodies and all of these things right and you're you're clearly very uh very good at what you do you must have just been born uber confident right surely because you are a confident person if only i <laughs> wish um i was the complete opposite and still am um I've become more confident as, as the years have gone on. But I mean, I like looking back to when I was a kid, I couldn't even go to like a restaurant and order food. I never used to answer the phone at home because I was too shy to speak to anyone. I never used to say a word in class. Um, wouldn't raise my hand to answer any questions because I just had really bad social anxiety. Um, growing up in America, they force you to do presentations and and all of that. So I, I had, I had no option, but to do that as I kind of went on and that sort of helped build my confidence. But, um, but yeah, I've never been a comfortably confident person. Um, Mm -hmm. there are things that have happened in some like areas that we can talk about today that I think have had a huge impact on, on my confidence and getting me to where I am now being able to be a serial networker, um, <laughs> what you called it earlier. Um, but yeah, definitely not, does not come naturally. Because I think I, I, I purposely set it up like that. Um, Cause obviously we, we speak a lot. So I, I kind of had that insight anyway, but I think I can relate to so much of, of how, how you feel when like that, that nervousness that's there, that anxiety that's there, that I, I'm more of a, my kind of anxiety sets in afterwards. So like I'm the kind of like my, my wife's very different. She'll she'll have anxiety before the event. And then once it's over, it's kind of over. I'm different. Like I'm just like, yeah, let's just go. I'm, I'm not saying I don't get nervous about things, but like I, I'm kind of just like, don't really think about it until I'm in it. And then I'm in it. And I'm like, cool, wing it. And then I think about it for like days. And sometimes months where I'm just like, oh my God, that, that one word I said. So there is this like, there is this kind of anxiety that we all have. I think everyone has it. Then you've got the imposter syndrome and you've got all of this other stuff that comes out, right? But I think it's very easy for, like, it would be easy for a lot of people to say to you, you're uber confident. And a lot of people say to me, like, oh God, you're so confident. How do you get up on stage and do the podcast? And do, do you know what, like, for the first four years of the podcast, I feel sick every time I'm going to turn the camera on. I still get really nervous about it. I feel sick if I'm going to go on stage. Like, I actually find networking one-to-ones and stuff like that way harder than standing in front of a camera. Um but it's so hard to see the inside, isn't it, of, of people? You just see the outside and assume that there's this level of confidence that people have. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. So I think, um, so back, what was it, last year, the year before you asked me to come on to the podcast, um, I can't remember what the topic was. Yeah. And I was so anxious that I just couldn't do it. Mm. Um, and even now, like I'm sitting here like nervous, <laughs> my, my palms are sweaty. Anytime I like go and do any kind of presentation, no matter how big or small it is, I have to like rehearse it multiple times. I get Ooh. up and I'm like, okay, Sneep, stop physically shaking so that people don't see that you're like <laughs> literally jittery. Um, and I, I think it's really important that we talk about that. So mm-hmm. nobody feels like, I remember when I was, um, 
you know, I look at people even now, I'm like, gosh, I wish I was that confident, like as the same way that they are, like they can just go up to stage and do like a TED talk or whatever. Yeah. And they're just so natural. And um, it seems to just come so easy to them. But I'm sure they're probably super nervous. It's just that mm. we don't we don't talk about it. So we need to normalize being nervous, yeah. being anxious. And it, it's, it's so funny, isn't it? Because I think in the world of what I will call the world of judgment that we live in now, like, and the lack of context that we have, it's also very easy for it to go too far in that it becomes perceived as arrogance as well and self-absorbed and all of this stuff. So I actually know a guy that, so every week I go to a, a business networking group and we have like 60 seconds in that to do your elevator pitch and you try and change it every week and we have themes, all of this stuff, right? I go around the table and everyone does it. I still will sweat profusely in that. And it's 60 seconds. It's that's all it is. And I, and I can feel my hands go in and I'm like 60 seconds. I'm getting up talking about my business and it's 60, se- it's 60 seconds. Like it goes like that. And it, it's so interesting to me that I get so nervous about that. But there's another guy in the group that, if you were to see him, he's really loud. He's really like, like proper, clearly enunciates. So and he'll be like, good morning. And you're just like, whoa, that guy is full of beans. And you're just like, and some people actually don't like it because he's so loud. He's so extroverted. Some people are like, oh God, he's a bit much. What they don't notice that he doesn't eat breakfast in that meeting. So we have breakfast afterwards. He never eats breakfast. Why? Because he's so nervous. If he eats, he'll be sick. So he, his response to severe social anxiety is becoming uber extroverted and borderline look really self-absorbed, really arrogant. And you have to get to know the person to then understand, oh, that's why you're like you are. And we're so judgy, like, so, you know, I'm sure the vast majority of people do get really anxious before they're about to present. And imagine building up all that courage to then go and execute something, deliver it, and then be judged for being arrogant on the back of it. Like, how do you find the balance? It's just this, like, vicious cycle. Um, So you, like, constantly, I know I constantly have to remind myself to be kind to myself. Um, you know, and to not take what, what people say too seriously, but it's tough. Mm. And that stuff can really chip away at you as well as like the next time you do it, next time, you know, I'm not sure if I want to do it. And I think it's really important to be, I think there's two sides to this, is knowing it yourself, but then also sometimes you need to hear it from someone else, but like knowing your competence and your, your own worth and, and what you are, I mean, kind of forcing confidence among yourself upon yourself in a way, isn't it? Absolutely. How, how, how have you, particularly coming from a different country as well, which I find really interesting, but like, how have you dealt with, like, do you know your own worth now? Do you need to be told by other people now? Or are you like, no, I'm like, how, what's that look like for you? Are you like positive affirmation in front of the mirror every morning or, or what, what's that look like? Oh my God. Oh, this is a minefield. Um, do I know my own worth? I'm getting there. Um, it's definitely been a journey. I do genuinely have to tell myself to to be kind. So I have negative thoughts in my head and I'm really harsh on myself, mm. um, which I've been told is normal um, for especially like 
especially when you're a high performer, which a lot of us are, um, it's it's normal to experience that, I guess. But I've had to consciously make an effort to say positive things to myself. But I also know that because I am the way that I am, I need that positive affirmation and then that feedback from yeah. people around me as well. So like in work situations, I'm, I need that feedback from my managers or other people in the business to know whether I'm to, to keep me going yeah, <laughs> and yeah, to know yeah. whether what I'm doing is working or not. Um, so, you know, good or bad, it, that feedback is super important. Um, but there have been some key things in my career and in my life, really, that have um, really helped build my confidence. Um, and I've, I've made a couple notes. So one of them is is building a network, um, feeling and dressing the part and um, an experience. And so if we, I don't know if we want to explore all of those, but yeah, you know, let's, let, on... let's, let's start with network. I'm, I'm keen. I'm keen with network. Yeah. So I think as a QHSC professional, our jobs is to help businesses make informed risk-based decisions um, and to give them confidence. We sell confidence to our business leaders. So it's so important for us to be confident. Um, And if you're not a confident person naturally, how do you do that? So I found that I've learned the most, and I, I swear this is from listening to one of your podcasts, or you <laughs> mentioned it years ago. Like you said that the most that, or what I took from it was like the most that that I've learned now in my career has been just from talking to other people, mm. whether they're safety professionals or not. Mm. Um, you know, your qualifications and and all of that, your day to day experiences can only take you so far. So it's really just connecting with other professionals, other people, learning from them, speaking to them, and and then building this like army this uh, around you so I I'm very aware um that I don't know everything about risk management and I never will and I'm completely okay with that which is probably contrary to some some QHSE professionals which who feel like they need to you know know everything no, about everything yeah. it's not physically possible mm. so I feel confident knowing that if there's um a topic or a situation or something that is new um I have like a whole group of people that I can go to and bounce ideas around and somebody else who may have experienced it you know things like the health and safety network having that forum that weekly forum of a whole group of people that I can just go to and be like hey guys I have this challenge what what have you done what have you done to tackle this before Mm. um has really really helped in my career I'm also and maybe this is the American in me (laughs) I (laughs) I've never felt um every job that I've kind of gone for every like career step that I've taken, I've never gone for a role where I already know more, where I know more than 50% of it. I always feel like, and I think it was actually in, um, who is it that hates Richard Branson? I think it's either Crystal or Lisa. One of them um, was, I think Richard Richard Branson. And sorry guys, if I've totally just misquoted and you did not say that, um, but I think he's ha- said that you should never apply for a job where you know more than 20%. Otherwise, you're not challenging yourself to grow. Um, and I've always taken that on board. So I'm like, you shouldn't, you don't need to know more than that, but you need to know where to go to get the information. Um, and you need to have that inner confidence. And you need to be able to project that confidence onto the people, the businesses, and the leaders that you work with um, in order to be successful. Wow. So, so yeah, so I think building a network is is really, really critical and has been really helpful in my career. Wow, oh, there's so much in that, isn't there? 
How can I hate Richard Branson? I love Richard Branson. Yeah, I maybe we need Mr. to go. Uh, oh, they're gonna be what? like, what? We never said that. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. like if you think about it outside of work too, right? Like if you, when you're going through like a difficult personal time or something great happens in your life, you have that network of of people that you can mm-hmm. go and talk to about it or work through things with and support you through it. Like we need, why wouldn't you do the same in business? I think as well, we we we've been kind of maybe brainwashed is not the right word, but like conditioned in a way to be like, if you are not literally contributing to producing something for the business, then you're not delivering value to the business. So in that trade, the, the kind of knock on effect of that is that we don't see networking as value add. We don't see going and talking to people that like it's, it's as simple as like going for a beer with colleagues or going for a beer with uh, or it doesn't have to be a beer you know what I mean but like go for a drink whatever with somebody who is in your profession or maybe not in a slightly different industry or, or whatever but everything that we kind of do in safety actually I think doesn't encourage that because if we think about what everything that you've kind of said it's like if you talk about like professional development, they will all talk about pushing yourself, being uncomfortable. But if you look at like a job advert for safety, it's like, you must know this, you must know that, you must know. And I'm like, well, that's fucking everything. Like, like <laughs> what? how can I know all of that? It's genuinely impossible. So I love what you said when you said about like selling confidence and we're selling confidence to, the, to a business, which oh, I love, I'm going to steal that. It's hard to look and be confident when you don't know the answer, right? So, like, to be confident and turn around to say, I actually don't know. Like, like if I think of it from my point of view, like, people pay us a lot of money for me to be sitting in front of them to say, this is the answer. Like, I had a customer the other day say, are we safe? And I'm like, like... <laughs> Like, what? How do I even answer that? So, like, I was literally not for six. And I was like, shit, how do I how do I make this, this, this customer is, is not confident in risk, the risk management of the business. And, and we've been working with them for about four months and we, and we get in there. Um, and, and I'm like, I can't answer that question. Um, who said his name then? I, I can't answer that question, mate. But what I can say is that we've acknowledged, we've got a series of, of things we need to improve on. We can't fix them all overnight. So inherently there is a bit of residual risk there, but there's always going to be residual risk there, but you're not keeping me up at night. Like of all of my customers, I'm not, I'm not up at night. So I'm like, fucking hell, I'm trying to sell confidence to this guy, but like, I don't have the answer. And that's really hard to look confident and sell confidence in, in, in that kind of point of view. So it reminds me of like a trainer. You know, if you get like a trainer and they're asked questions and the trainer feels like they must have the answer for it. It's like that in a way. Yeah, definitely. And I I think also from a like risk management perspective, you know, if we go back to, you know, the people who do the work are the ones that have the solutions. The business owners are probably the ones that have the solutions of, Mm. of that as well. So I think having that mindset also takes that pressure off of we need to have the solutions all the time because we don't. We're just individuals who can help facilitate conversations and help open their eyes to, you know, different perspectives. But Mm. ultimately the answers are within them. We just need to pull them out. So 
is the, is that site safe or you know as lisa keeps saying like it's not about is it safe or is it not safe but are are you are the risks managed um yeah. are we managing risk on that site but they they have the answers we just have to pull it out mm, of them facilitate that um I'm gonna. I'm conscious of time, and I, there is uh, there's a big bit that I really want us to get our teeth into. But I'm not going to go quite there yet, which I think was number two on your list. Um, but before I go there, you, coming back to this kind of your twenty percent thing, fifty percent thing of the Richard Bradford, which I which I re- I love that. I really love that. It takes a lot of confidence to do that anyway. But then ultimately, I've got this little thing, which I was actually talking to Elisa about, and I spoke to you about as well, in that our professional development, our CPD within the big the big bodies within safety, doesn't really encourage that, in my opinion. It, I often call it continual professional reminding, because I feel like we're just reminding ourselves of stuff that we read in our NEBOSH like five years ago, 10 years ago, whatever. I don't actually see much developing me. Like, so I'm going to go to the SHP Expo next week. And every year I go and I'm hoping, I'm hoping that there's something there that I go, oh, I didn't know that. Well, that's quite good. Um, And often I find it's just the same old stuff. Exactly. And like, whether it's take, retaking a course or doing a refresher course or a new course or going to a conference, like why do we need to wait until those moments to, and then hope that we're going to get mm. something out of it? The way that, you know, we, we are the future of our profession. The only way that things are going to progress is if we connect as, as professionals and have conversations and collectively come and tackle these, these problems. Um, I recently joined a group called Beyond QHSC and that's exactly what they're trying to do get a network of professionals together to create a forum for everyone to discuss issues discuss the the future of our profession um and then help drive that forward and be that change and that's where you get insight into what other businesses are doing and different ideas that people have and on their on our own you know we might not be able to come up with with the solution or develop something but collectively I mean there's so much power there mm. and yeah going and taking another course on Legionella or yeah. the next level of Legionella management isn't really going to help you as a risk professional it's it's so interesting what you said there right in that you're essentially describing networking as continual professional development right so you mentioned the health and safety network earlier essentially that's just calls so we, we've actually gone to CPD and said, we want to get our course CPD accredited so our members can use that to contribute to their memberships and, their, and, and stuff like that. Initially, the conversation was, yeah, of course you can do that. Then when it came to actually doing it, it's been really difficult because they're like, well, where, where's the training slides? And I'm oh like, my God. It's, it's not a training course. And they're like, but, but we need slides and we need like a happy sheet or whatever. Like it, it's a course. And I'm like, no, it's not a course. It's a conversation. And they're like, but that's not com- professional development. I was like, I beg to differ because we've had about six members come on um, and within two years they've gone and got themselves a promotion and they fed back to us. I don't think I could have done that without the network. And I'm like, mate, we're not doing anything. We're just hosting and facilitating a conversation. Like you, you, you turning up and having that conversation has done that. But we, we as a profession don't see that as professional development. And, and there's so like, 
I say all the time, well, I'm, I think I like to think I'm good at my job, but I'm only good at my job because I started a podcast five years ago and I talk to people all the time. And they say something, I go, ooh, write that down, stealing that. So I would say every podcast, I'm not stealing that. We don't see that as professional development. It's insane. I mean, think about the wagon wheels that we have with the Health and Safety Network. So we mm. had Jill Kernick, an absolute like legend, mm. Greg Smith, like, are you kidding me? And there weren't any slides. They just came on and just had a conversation. Mm. Yeah, and true. we just discussed different topics as a group. Mm. Like the power in those sessions is absolutely insane. The amount of insights and knowledge that I got out of those sessions and our weekly calls um, is just so much more than I've ever got from going on any boring training course. Mm. You know, like, some of the most powerful ones are when, when like we when we, it's funny because we we're facilitating the call so we're trying to come up with a topic and give us most of the time we need that because you can't just go in a call and be like hey what do you want to talk about because you end up just getting either the same thing all the time um or nothing so we're like okay we need a topic and sometimes you get a topic you're really excited about and you're like it's gonna be fucking great this is and you get in the call and you're like yeah I'm fucking pumped for this and then someone goes I've got a problem with PPE and you're like, shit. Like, and, but you have to let that member like get the help because that's the whole point of the network, right? So we stop, everything cancels and we talk about their PPE problem. Most of the time I find they're the most valuable conversations ever. Not, not particularly to the person raising the issue, but actually to everyone else is you don't know you've got that problem or you don't know you need that solution. But here in... Sunit say to Colin, actually, I think you could do it this way. And then Colin's like, actually, that's a fucking good idea. But then Sam goes, I didn't think of that. I, actually, that is a really good idea. And and they're some of the most valuable conversations uh, I find is those random, I've got a problem, I need some help, which you said earlier, having that support network to just ring up and go, am I doing this right? Absolutely. It's so powerful. Definitely. And everyone gains from that. Right. And and that goes into my third point, which was around experience. And that's not mm. about the years of experience. Um, and I, I remember I was at the IOSH Future Leaders Conference speaking to Stuart Hughes, who like made me feel so good about this. He's like, it's not about the years of experience. It's about the level of experience. Yeah. Um, and for me, early on in my career, that was like switching industries and getting insights mm. from different industries. But as I've you know, um, like progressed in my career and what I've realized more, actually most of my experience is from talking to other people. Yeah, yeah. And like connecting and, you know, being part of these steering committees, being part of these different forums um, and learning from others and then taking those insights, going back to the businesses I work for and then saying like, hey guys, actually this is kind of on the horizon, um, yeah. which is like a hot topic that everyone's thinking about. What are we doing around this? Um, or yeah. actually we're leading the way where it's, you know, in, on this topic and let's go and influence the rest now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think we need to shift that that whole like experience, qualifications, all of that. I mean, you can, and we've had these discussions numerous times throughout mm. the years, like, you know, yeah. you can be chartered and have all the diplomas and everything else that you need under your belt and be a really shit risk professional that's not going to help any business yeah. at all, yeah. you know. And, and if you don't have those insights externally um, and you don't know what other professionals are doing, you don't know what else is going on in, in the sector, you're not going to be able to drive things forward. Yeah, there's, there's just no, there's no, no along, but. There's, there's never going to be any innovation, is there? Mm -hmm. and, and, I, and I feel like, 
conscious of I want to move on to that. That I want to, I want to, I want a good time on topic two. Um, but it is, it makes me wonder whether we're seeing it now in that really safety hasn't innovated in like a decade. So like maybe we should be looking at like what we're considering as as education, what we're considering as points of entry, what we're considering as professional development, what we're, where's our cognitive diversity? Where's all of this stuff? How many people in our profession are actually going out and looking at other ways of doing things? And interestingly, like I've been, I've had this idea for a very long time in, in like like human behavior, human performance, but not even human behavior, even in basic good safety, we would always say involve the people doing the task in the risk assessment, right? And that's cognitive diversity and all of that stuff brings it in, right? So I remember saying to a teacher years ago, we talk about all this stuff in work, like when you do like a field trip in school, do you involve the kids in the risk assessment? And they were like, no, like, can you imagine how carnage that would be? And I was like, yeah, but do we not want to teach the kids have risk-based thinking and hazard awareness and hazard identification and, and get involved in those real-life conversations? And they were like, yeah, yeah. So I ended up in a meeting with, a, like, a, hopefully a potential customer who is doing this really innovative way of educating and completely changing the the way they deliver the curriculum in the UK, very different. And I was like sitting in this meeting, I was like, is ever a school that could maybe buy into this idea? It's probably them. So I said, and they were like, yeah, like that's interesting. Are we keen to talk about that? And I would have never pitched that if I hadn't have been speaking to so many people, if I hadn't, I wouldn't even have thought of that if I hadn't had this podcast talking to people and then that, you just get this little thing and it might not even begin the moment. It might just like grow later on. And you're like, what if we did that in this environment, so this thing that oil and gas do, could we do that in the office? This thing that the office does. Could we do that rigging out here? Like, there's so much to this. And that, for me, comes back to what we what we started this conversation about, builds confidence in myself because I've now got this huge buffet of ideas that I can just pick from. Exactly. I love the buffet thing. I always reference that. Everything's um, got to be food related. One of my, one of my many James quotes. Um, <laughs> but, but, yeah, and also, so it's I think it's building your network, um, connecting with other professionals, but also well, another thing um, that I think is important to mention, one thing that's really helped in my confidence sort of related to networking is um, having really good mentors. And I, at the moment, I, my mentor is one of our procurement directors who is an absolute legend, um, an amazing woman. And you think like, oh, well, how can somebody in who's in a procurement function um, mentor somebody in QHSE? But I've learned so much from her um, and continue to learn so much from her. Um, I'm also being mentored by a QHSE professional, which I should just say their name. So Jenna's my first mentor, who's probably going to listen to this podcast and who I absolutely love. Um, and then Linnea Miles from L'Oreal, who's um, the VP of, of their health and safety team out there, um, is also mentoring me. So she's based in America. I've learned a huge amount from her. Um, and recently I've also connected with... Um, a guy called Darshan Gill, um, who's a safety consultant in Canada, who's super interested in safety differently. And I've learned so much about learning teams and, and all of that from him. So I guess what I'm trying to say, 
when you're thinking about mentors um, and considering getting a mentor, don't just restrict your, yourselves to, to safety, kind of branch mm. out, um, branch out of your, your industry, branch how, out of your country. How do you approach and- that? How, how do you approach them? Do you, do you go up and say, do you want to be my mentor? Yeah. So internally, so with Jenna, we got introduced um, and my amazing boss, Adam, who's hopefully listening to this as well, introduced us. Um, so that was really great. Um, with Linnea, I was actually working on something around um, culture and development. And I was like, who's leading the space at the moment? Oh, L'Oreal. Let me go and like reach out to somebody in in L'Oreal. And I found a strong female leader on their team and messaged her on LinkedIn and she was so, so lovely and really keen to give back and support other professionals. Um, and with Darshan, I think we both commented on something on, on LinkedIn. And I was like, hey, you're a Punjabi risk professional who's interested in safety differently. There aren't many of us who want to have a chat um, and just connected on that level. And mm. so it's, yeah, it's just finding like similarities between people and not being afraid to reach out. You know, if you see somebody who's in a role that you want to be in in the future, go and message them like what's the mm. worst that can happen they just don't respond or they say no yeah see i, I love the idea of coaching and mentoring i think it's amazing um my experience of it have actually been quite different have not been massively positive um i don't think that's all on the mentor probably a lot of that's on me just as much i think it's very much like a partnership um these types of things but yeah, like one just was a bad decision, but the other one was like a good thing for a while. And then it just turned out that I think I was just being groomed as a customer. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, this is, this is interesting. Um, and, and then, and then it just kind of, the second I stopped being a potential customer, coincidentally, the mentoring and coaching stopped. And so I, I really, I really struggled with it, but I do probably on a monthly basis think, oh, I could really do with someone that I could just talk to, but I really struggle to think of who, who do I look at that, that I could go? Cause most of them are just like, well, no, stupid. Like, well, I'd like to talk to Gary V once a month, but I don't think I could afford that. <laughs> um, but Never yeah. know. I mean, like, what's the, like reach out to them. Yeah, like, that's yeah, the thing. like, you know, there have been so many people that I was like, Ooh, I don't know if they'll ever actually respond to me, but I'm just going to go for it and see what they say. Yeah. And it, and it worked out and, and with mentoring or, you know, even if you don't call it a mentor, even if you just call it somebody that inspires you, that you catch up with every so often on a Mm. regular basis. I mean, yeah, there's just so much value in that. So we don't have to put labels on it if we don't want to, but yeah, yeah, find somebody who can be there as a, as a regular sort of support, just somebody to bounce ideas around with and, or someone that you look up to and, Mm. and want to, do you do you mentor? Do you mentor anyone? I do. Yeah, I have a little handful of mentees, um, which has been really exciting. And and even with that, like I learn so much from them. Hopefully, mm. they learn something from me. <laughs> I yeah. get so much out of it. Um, and I, when I would approach people to ask them to mentor or coach me, I always felt like I was doing a disservice to them. Like, oh, I'm going to put them out. It's going to take yeah, their time, yeah. and you know, they're giving me all of this, and what are they really getting out of it? And now after having like, you know, a group of, of mentees myself, I'm like, oh man, I like, I get so much out of this. I learn from them on, I get really good insights into different perspectives that I hadn't considered before. Um, so I'm growing hopefully just as much as they are. Mm. So, so never feel like you're, you know, being a, a burden on anyone. 
I'm sure they're getting something out. How did, does that give you a boost of confidence being a mentor as well? Like these people are coming to you for advice and guidance and you're helping them. Like it must give you a nice sense of satisfaction and, and, and confidence as well, like in, in a good way. I mean, yeah, like, yeah, definitely. I, I think more than anything, it just makes me feel good that I can give back mm. um, and help. And so also, I mean, like I'm, I'm, I'm Sikh and part of our like religion is um, this concept of seva. So serving the community yeah. and, and give back and all of that. So I think like ever since a young age, it's been part of what I do. So to actually be able to do that in in like a professional environment has, has been really, really fulfilling nice. um, and, and really nice. But um, yeah, so I definitely get a lot out of it. I, it does boost my confidence to know that um, maybe a fraction of what, what I say sort of resonates with, with some people and I can, I can help them just the way that, you know, people have helped me in my career mm. um, and open doors for them. I've had so many people support me along the way and open doors for me and, and help and if I can do that for anyone else I think it's it's just so important you know and if we all did that for each other I mean imagine how amazing this world would be so true so true like and 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 like if if you're thinking about doing running a business regardless whether it's in safety or not like your network it's just phenomenal and you know I'm not that bothered if 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 I'm profiting from this conversation and you're profiting from this conversation, I don't give a shit. Like it's a good one. Like when you're in business, there's normally a monetary value on conversations in that you might refer me somewhere and I might refer you somewhere, but you're also getting value if there's non-monetary like based on that conversation, e.g. mentoring within the profession and you're both in employed roles, but I don't see the difference in that. But when I find even more so when you when you start running a business, we get even worse in that we just stop talking. Like so, like the amount of people that I had used to have several regular conversations on, it you just don't have those conversations anymore. So because either they think we're competition or we think they're competition or what like I don't really think anyone's competition, not not arrogantly, just like there's 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 more than enough work out there for everyone. I don't mean that like no one's my competition, I'm back good. <laughs> I didn't mean it like that. We're serving the same purpose to reach around <laughs> safety, that's what it is. But like when when you when you get into like running a business, it does it does change things a little. And particularly in the beginning as well, like I went through a really interesting phase. So that's why I kind of I think maybe so I stopped speaking to people because you, you do feel like you're like shit. I need some money, so <laughs> I need to feed my kids. <laughs> like so, you are like every conversation you have to fight back like this thing where you're saying I need to sell or I need to benefit monetary but wise from this conversation. So it makes it even harder because you don't want to have that conversation. Um and and then I think that fizzles out and then ultimately you become just uber lonely, I think, when you're running a business sometimes. So trying to bring it back and get better at networking boost your confidence more because you're having those you've got that network to fall back on like you just said um so i think carry on doing what you're doing but then as well like if someone was thinking actually i'd like to be a consultant one day or i'd like to run my business one day or whatever then like double down on those networks because i think they're even more important because you you literally are just alone one day like you're surrounded by people one day and then the next day you're alone and it's just weird it's weird so 
I'm going to brutally stop us on that point because I really want to talk about how we look and how, yeah, how we look and how that, that impacts how our confidence and like going into work. And there's so much we can talk about this. Um, but like, talk to me about, because I'm, I'm struggling how to open this conversation without it looking like I'm being offensive, but I know that you've done some really interesting stuff around this side of things. So I'm keen to understand if you just tell us like how you've helped yourself build confidence from that point of view. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So this goes back to my second part, um, my second point about dressing and feeling the part. Um, so I, so again, you know, when we look at our qualifications, what we learn is safety or any professional release, they talk about, you know, you need to be able to present, you need to be able to know you have the technical knowledge, all of that. But how often do we talk about like what we look like um, mm-hmm. and how that can impact how we feel and how that impacts our confidence? And, um, and I've, I never really placed as much importance on it um, until something happened in my personal life where my confidence was completely destroyed, um, had zero confidence. Um, Growing up uh, as a kid, I was bullied really badly at school about my appearance and all of that. So I kind of just like pushed it to the side and just focused on like getting good grades and, you know, being a good soccer player and all of that and getting into a good university. And, um, But anyway, so this thing happened in my personal life, completely shattered my confidence. um, And I met this person and I, so to make myself feel better, I was like, right, I am going shopping and I am getting a new wardrobe. Um, I love shopping. It's like my happy place, probably not a healthy habit, um, but feels wonderful. Um, So I was, I was out shopping and, um, and I met this image consultant And she was like, look what's happened. I opened up to her, told her my story. And she was like, right, I can help you. And I was like, I've never really, what is an image consultant? Like, what do you even do? Um, And she came to my house, went through my entire wardrobe, like helped me pick out different outfits and use as much of my clothes as I had. And then um, taught me how to like walk into a room confidently and she like demonstrated it. And then I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I get it. And she's like, no, 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 Sneet, it's it's your turn now. You're gonna actually have to practice this. And I was like, no, <laughs> I have to like practice walking. She's like, yeah, yeah. And then I did it and she's like, okay, no, do it again, do it again. Um, and then we went out shopping. Um, her background is she was a stylist. Um, so help me pick out different pieces that I could put together and and really make myself feel better. And she always says that, so her name's Han. Um, and I can send out a link to, to her site and stuff. She's yeah. absolutely incredible. But she always says that clothing is your armor. And mm-hmm. ever since then, I felt like whatever personal or professional situation I had gone into, as long as I am dressed in whatever style resonates with me, um, you know, and it, this isn't about you have to be like super trendy, like whatever, whatever works for you. That's what Han really taught me. Like whatever pieces speak to you, whatever you put on that makes you feel really good wear that and rock it and like the way you walk the way you talk the way you carry yourself will change and your confidence will significantly be boosted um you know and people say you know you have to you have to feel the part in order to do the part so like if I want to be in in a certain position or in a certain business or whatever I kind of channel that energy through my clothes um and and the way that I deliver things and and talk Mm. and speak um and present myself um so it's not it's not about 
I guess there's like, like it converge on like feeling like you're being super vain, but it's not, it's not about that. It's just about dressing to, to make yourself feel protected and the best version of yourself. Mm. I, I also feel like, from when you said about vain, it made me think as well what we said earlier about arrogance and stuff like that. Like the, the little thing in my head just went, is there any such thing as it? Or is that just society saying, oh, that's arrogance because I'm not as confident as that person? Or that's vain because I don't have the confidence to, to I don't know, focus on myself and talk about myself. Like I, I'm not confident. Maybe that's not the right word, but like. I'm, I'm not doing that. So like, oh, Sunit is so vain. Like, why is she vain? Well, she always, she's always on about how good she looks. So like, she always puts, like, takes her three hours to get ready. Well, fuck me. If it takes three hours to get ready, but she's nailing life. Like, is that a bad thing? Is that vain? Why is that vain? Like, yeah. we put so many labels on things, don't we? And like, oh, that's vain. Why is it vain? What, what, spending three hours to get, I'm not saying you do spend three hours. <laughs> I wish I had three hours, not with a little bit. <laughs> I know, right? But like spending, <laughs> spending three hours getting ready, if that makes you better person and you're, you're having to get up at 4 a.m. in the morning to be ready for nine or whatever, I don't give a shit. Like if it makes you feel good and crack on, if I can help you do that, awesome. But I, I also know an image consultant, a color consultant as well, right? That she goes to this business networking thing. And the first time she was in there and I heard it and I was like, that's a bit weird. Like, how does she get business out of there? And the more I get to know her, she's done like longer presentations, like we call them 10 minute slots. So she's done them and fascinating, fascinating of what she does. And she says a lot, like I essentially sell confidence to people. Um, and she does this amazing presentation where like, she essentially gets dressed, undressed in front of everyone. So she always looks amazing. She always looks absolutely amazing. And she turns up and she'll be like, so we wear earrings because this is what earrings do for us. And she takes them off. And then she goes, we wear necklace. And this is where the history of the necklace comes from. And this is what it's for. And then she says, and then sometimes with the colors that we have really, I said, she'll change the, the color of a blazer or something like that. She'll put a gray one on or because that's not her color. And then, Within like two minutes, she's gone from completely looking like this amazing, confident woman to now just looking like someone who's uber unconfident, like weirdly looks unprofessional, like weirdly. Her clothes are kind of the same, just a different color. Um and she maybe I think she like changes her hair or she takes her makeup off and stuff, and she takes all, all this stuff, and you're just like, whoa. Like, what the hell? And it just, it's, 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 I can't put words to it. It's phenomenal how much it changes. Like your posture as well. It like, even though you don't think it does, it does just kind of, it's weird. It's so weird. And I think, I think a really important point is to remember, it's like, what makes you, you, what makes Mm. you feel confident? So like, for some people that might be, you know, wearing bright colors and curling their hair, for example, but for somebody else it might be putting their hair in a bun and not wearing yeah. any makeup and that makes yeah. them feel really good. So it's like, know what, what works for you, what makes mm-hmm. you feel good. Um, and, and then play into that. So how do you feel about uniforms and dress codes and things like that then? Ooh. Um, so I had a uniform at when I was at school and 
And it was hard because I was like, this doesn't suit me. This doesn't suit my mm. body shape, but I have to wear it because it's yeah. uniform. So I didn't feel as confident. And looking back at that time, that was, I was not confident at all. Um, so that didn't play into it. Whereas, yeah, maybe if I could have worn my sports hoodies and skater shoes and all the other stuff I was into at that yeah. time, um, I probably would have felt better. Nice. Um, nice. <laughs> so, um, I, uh, so, yeah. I find it really interesting because... I would wear a t-shirt every day. I could Mark Zuckerberg my wardrobe overnight. Like I would love to just be, have a minimal wardrobe of just a stack of t-shirts of varying colors and a, t- a row of jeans of varying colors and just be like, bing bong, I'm comfortable in the t-shirt. I feel like it's professional, but society says it's not. Society says you've got to wear a shirt. And I don't think a shirt or a t-shirt makes me any more or less professional. I, I don't think it does. I'm not any worse off because I can wear a shirt and whatever I'll crack on. I'm, I'm kind of over it now. But like sometimes I do think, you know what? I'd like to just not bother ironing today because it's a pain in the fucking ass and I haven't got enough time. Why does society say it needs to be ironed? Why is that unprofessional? I'm, I'm, a load of people about. Like, oh my God, if we turn up with an iron shirt. But like, where does that come from? Where does that, oh, you can't even iron a shirt, so you're not going to be very good at your job. Like, it doesn't communicate if that, I don't know, maybe it does, maybe I'm wrong. But for me, it's kind of like, it doesn't automatically mean I'm shit at everything else if, if, this, if my style doesn't fit with your style. Yeah, but I think if you look back in time, right, so like if you look at fashion history and work Mm. history and all of that, that was considered professional. That was the norm, right? A shirt, trousers or a skirt and a blazer, you know, whatever it is, women had to wear heels and we had that whole debate. And some businesses um, have progressed from that. And so you can go into, you know, Facebook or Google and wear jeans and a T-shirt Mm. wear whatever you want to and they're like that's cool whatever makes you feel good wear that maybe if you went into those places dressed in a suit you'd be like "Mm, I'm like out of place here exactly yeah so I think it's around you know when we when we work for organizations um and consultancy is different because you're like working in lots of organizations but maybe when you select the clients that you work for um potentially it's like you you want to be in environments where you feel like you belong Mm. and you feel comfortable so if wearing a shirt and trousers is your thing, then find a business where culturally you you fit into that and you feel good in that environment. Mm. Um, do I think that all businesses should be as strict as they were with like how you dress and, and all of that? Like, no, I think that I'd, I hope, and in my experiences, a lot of businesses are starting to relax to accept, allow for different, yeah. you know, style types and, and all of that and acknowledge that people feel confident and comfortable in different things wearing mm. different um attire but but yeah I think when we go back and and are looking to see who we work with who we work for you want to make sure that it's the right cultural fit the, 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 even if we just talk about clothes there is a surprising amount of socially dangerous like rabbit holes that this could go down into <laughs> and that I genuinely think a lot of the problems we have in society is nothing to do with 
the actual problem we're discussing, whether it be gender, sexual preference or whatever. Actually, I think a lot of the problem is that we put labels on different types of clothes, professional, unprofessional, male, female, like it's just like, no, 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 no. They're just they're just bits of cloth. It's literally <laughs> all, all they are. And if you want to wear a dress, I, I don't really give a crap about your gender because it's society that says that a dress is female. It's not the person that, that, that is going on this or on that. And I'm, yeah. I'm cautious of where I go with this. because I don't want to get into like a transgender kind of rabbit hole or anything. I'm not, all I'm saying is that labels a lot of the time that society puts on things is, is really, is really hard. Like why should a woman wear heels and why should a man wear flats? Because mm-hmm. a man could wear some fucking heels if they want to, if it's going to make, we, me and Sherry actually went to, actually went to, to Sainsbury's and there was a person in there of of what looked to be a male build um, in some heels. I'll tell you what, like both of us were like beautiful, like looked amazing, like they're not a pencil skirt on and some heel boots. And both of us like, they look, they look unbelievable. Like, but society says that there's something weird about what that person's wearing. And I'm just like, no, no, just, just, and we, and it goes all the way back to our profession in that how is one set of clothing professional and one not? I'm not getting into a PP debate or workwear. I think that's slightly different. Like if you need to wear overalls for work, you need to wear overalls for work. But like, if you are in a safety type role, if you feel comfortable in something, why, why should we not just wear it? Why are you being judged on what you're wearing? It's such a, disappointing world to be involved in isn't it yeah and I think it's in you know we're the future like it's in our power to start having these conversations and changing the norms in society and um and shifting that perspective and I have no doubt that Gen Z is going to come in and smash those out of the yeah out of the you know throw them out of the window um And, and we're seeing that more and more. So I think we're going in the right direction. Mm. Um, but we need to start talking about this more. Yeah. Because um, we, I don't know if you saw, there was a guy that put, there was a guy that put a post of a video of a, of a, a person in a class and educating um, the classroom on trans issues and things like that and and the comments weren't very nice if i'm honest the comments are very like we're sexualizing our children we're doing this and i was just like we've been sexualizing children for fucking years unfortunately it's really uncomfortable for us to say but like since having a daughter i've just had a glass smash moment that i'm like why why is a size two-year-old's t-shirt in girls tighter than a, than a size two-year-old t-shirt in boys that doesn't make sense why is that oh because women's clothes are supposed to be tighter why are they tighter because it's sexualized like it's it's just it's there if what like if you go into the girl section in primark for clothes for kids have a look at all the stuff on those t-shirts they'll be prey so there'll be horses, uh, unicorns, maybe granted they're mythical, but there'll be flowers. There'll be like bunnies and then go over into the boys section. What's on there? Predators, lions, tigers, dinosaurs. And I'm just like, we've been doing this weird shit with our clothes for a very long time. And once you have this glass mask moment, you can't unsee it. So we, we often get Maggie clothes from, from the boys 
because she's a toddler. She's running around. She wants to go outside. She wants to get muddy. She, I don't want her clothes to stop her doing that. And yeah. it was really hard for us to find her some trainers, just normal trainers. It was really hard for us to fi- find her trainers. It was just like we had to go to the boys' section. I- I'm not bothered about it. She can have what she wants, but she's got some girly sandals as well. If she wants to wear them, and she picks what she wants to wear. But, like, it, it is so frustrating how much anxiety we as a society put on people with labels for clothing and cloth. And, and it's just like... We didn't. We need. We could solve a lot of these arguments and and stresses and anxieties by just not labelling shit. Yeah. Oh, very. Thanks. I um. I do think as well. There was um. What was I going to say as well? There is an uh, interesting one that that Sarah, the lady I know, she talks about color as well, and that people can have different colors. So she does this amazing thing with like your skin and puts this thing on it, and it tells you if you're like a autumn color or a summer color and i'm just like can i just wear black and she's like well maybe not and i'm like oh shit i didn't know that so there's there's even like a bit of a science behind this stuff as well which is amazing absolutely i didn't realize that before until i had this session so yeah han had the same she has this like color swatch thing and And it's amazing when you actually go and put on different colors like Mm. i felt completely different in different tones and i was like um and now it's like, I know, well, she's made me aware of what tones would suit my skin tone. Um, but depending on my mood, I'm like, okay, if I need a boost of energy today. I'm going to come on the podcast in hot pink to <laughs> make me feel bright and bubbly. <laughs> you know? but in- um, interesting. It, it, it poses another challenge to uniforms and, and like colored clothing, right? So like if your brand is teal, I'm pretty sure a lot of people are not going to be comfortable wearing teal. Um, so should a company, I understand why a company would want a consistent color range with, you know, within their brand. I get that. But is it there a trade-off? What's the value you're getting out of everyone wearing teal versus the value you might get out of them not having anxiety because or stress or being more confident and more comfortable because they're wearing all pink because that's what they're comfortable and that's what they're better in. That's such a good point. Goes back to that purpose piece. What was the purpose of having this in the first place? Yeah, exactly. And are we, is it serving that purpose or is there something else that we need to think about? I love that. There's, there's, there's a lot to this. So one of my customers, we had, a, we had a little conversation about this, just, just like weirdly, it just kind of stumbled up and he does this amazing thing where she says to all of his staff, go and get whatever clothes you want. So go and buy yourself three or four outfits, however outfits you need for the week, right? But I want to put our logo on it. So go and buy your own outfit and then we'll pay to get it, put the logo on it. And that's your, and that's your uniform. I was, like, I was like, where did you come up with that? He was like, well, it just pisses me off that like you, you wear what you want, but like I also want it to be uniform. So like why do I force a uniform on you that you might be uncomfortable or I'm going to force girls to wear something that, that is not for girls. And then we come back to the society label issue, but whatever. But it's like, he was just like, well, I'll just let them get what they want and then I'll put a brand on it. I'm like, but what if they come in with like a color that completely against your brand? It's like, no, we'll just put a logo on it. That's what I want. It's fascinating. Yeah. Really interesting. Come up with that on his own, completely on his own, just from being 
I think he's like inherently naturally people centered in a way. I don't think he realizes he is, but he, but he, but he is. Um, it's fascinating that he's making these strides to build confidence within his workplace or just comfortableness. Like maybe it's not even comfortable confidence. It's more just, I want a comfortable workforce. I want them to be comfortable in themselves. And I find, I just find it so fascinating that he'd kind of come up with this approach completely on his own. I've never heard of that anywhere. Like buy your own clothes and we'll brand it for you. Yeah. I haven't heard of it. I think it's just so important because, you know, we, when we talk, whether it's as QHC professionals or as businesses, you know, we want everyone to perform at their best, be their best version of self when they're at work. Um, and we talk about the environments that we create and the training that we give to our teams and, you know, the tools and resources, but, but yeah, is this something that we need to start considering mm. how people feel in, in the clothes that they wear? Yeah. Um, like how, like, you know, the old, like, oh, you forgot your high vis, so you have a pink high vis today. Like there's, 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 a, there's an issue to that in, from a safety point of view, there's also an issue to, to that to be like, well, I actually like pink. So why are you using pink to embarrass someone? Then there's, then there's this whole, like, if it does embarrass them, do you want your employee to constantly be embarrassed all day like and do the job? And then if they make any errors because they're not focusing because they're like, oh, God, they're laughing at me because I'm wearing pink. Like, it's so weird. There's this way of thinking and that I want you to not be concentrating today. I want you to be embarrassed. That just feels weird. It feels like like nobody's gone. That's a really stupid idea. It's so strange. I was going to say something else. What was I going to say? Oh, shit. What was I going to say? Oh, yeah. I was going to say about, like, um, feeling comfortable physically as well. So, like, if I'm – if I miss – I do martial arts training. I used to do rugby. But, like, there's this great line by Joe Rogan, and I think probably only really applies to people that do combat or physical sports. Um, but he was like, there's – a there's just something about being in a room and knowing you can kick everyone's ass. Like you're just so much more confident, like being in there and just being like, you know what? 99% of people can't even throw a punch. So I'm pretty sure I could kick everyone's ass in here. He was like, it don't matter what you say to me. Like it don't matter if you put me up for redundancy. Cause if I wanted to, I could just arm by you and snap your arm in half. And I'm like, that is such a good point. That is such <laughs> a good point. That's the energy that we want everyone to channel when they're in the workplace, right? Yeah. Like you want to have that confidence to know, like, I'm going to step into this room. I know my stuff. Mm. Um, and it's, I know it better than anyone else in the room. And I'm going to go in and, and perform at my best and deliver, you know, wh what I need to deliver. And I'm here, they wanted me to join their business. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm given, I'm given back. Yeah. And you want to feel like you can kick yeah. ass. You know, like put that blazer on so you can go and kick ass or whatever. Wear that T-shirt. Exactly. And, and I think my, my point is that, like, it's not – it doesn't matter what it is, as long as it's something that, that kind of helps you feel more comfortable, right? So yeah. if, you, if you're like, you know what, yeah, all right, talk to me because you think like, – like shit because you think you're a big man, but you know what, I'll play golf off of, off of one – like I'm, I'm damn good at golf. Come on the golf course and I kick your ass. Not me. I'm terrible at golf. Um, but like, do you know what? That's fine. But like, I'm hot. Like, look at me. I out. I look good today. So I don't give a shit what you say to me because I look good today. 
like it doesn't matter what it is. Like whether it is combat sports, like I love, like I got a few cuts on my head this week. I'm like, I love it. Like Sherry's like, oh my God, James, you got cut. I'm like, yeah, I've got some cuts. I'm like, <laughs> if I've got a limp on from like when I used to play rugby, I was always limping. I'd be like, oh, I've got a limp. Oh, you're right, mate. Yeah, rugby in it. Yeah, yeah. Like it just makes me feel so much more confident. Like, and I think that, that helps you do a better job. I genuinely think it does. It does because you believe in yourself and everyone has it in them. Actively hired you because they believe in you. Mm. Um, they wanted you to join their business because you have that skill set. And we often, I, I think, like, um, and speaking on personal experience, like, we we're often our own blockers because we don't feel as confident and we don't resonate that energy. Um, whereas we we have everything inside us. You just need to do stuff to help bring it out of you yeah. and and show them and show them what you've got. Mm. Um, and I guess just as like a, a final point, like one of the things that I, I, I talk about a lot is, is knowing what you bring to the party. Mm. So, you know, network, feel the part, dress the part, do what makes you feel good. Think of experience um, wider than just years of, of experience, but, but know what makes you, you. And I think once you nail that and you, or you really have a good sense of like, I'm Sunny. This is what I'm about. This yeah. is what I can bring to your organization. It it really helps boost confidence and mm. kind of solidify things. Yeah, and I I think that if you look at the British standard for people centered approaches, I think it's called like it literally says in there as a principle like celebrate individuality. Like, and I remember being at school, right? And I was a bit of an emo when I was at school, right? So I dyed like some red, a red streak into my big fringe that cut across my eye. So I could be like, yeah. Like, yeah. And, um, and, uh, <laughs> and, and I had to get rid of it. I was told to get rid of that, like not allowed it in school. Like from a young age, individuality was de demonized. We very much do that in the workplace as well. Maybe subconsciously, some are better than others. Uh, some are better at others than not doing it. But ultimately it's like, I think if we're forcing all of these people to be like, like, you know, when you do... Um, uh, what the what the metric the person oh, like metric test so when you do that shit and you're like this is a, this is a manager you must be this criteria like so now now we're like completely demonizing individual personalities in that your personality doesn't fit a manager's role like what no it just means that that personality doesn't fit this personality so don't put those two people together that's a people-centered approach for me is like looking at the individual what does that individual work with that individual? And how can I educate these two individuals on each his individuality and be like, okay, if I'm talking to Sunny, I need to be aware of X, Y, and Z because my personality clashes with that past perfect her personality. And if we want to build high performing teams, I mean, this goes back to the whole cognitive diversity piece, right? Mm -hmm. You need to have people who are in the different buckets. So I think like maybe I don't know, 10 years ago when we would do these tests, we'd be like, oh, well, in order to be in this role, you need to have this, you need to be in this column. Yeah. And I remember I was working for a business and almost the entire team was in the same column. Then I was just a random outlier. What am I doing? <laughs> like, ah. um, and it was actually Sam Greensit that made me feel better about that. Um, he did a talk and was like, and I was like, that was me. Um, I'm glad I'm not the only one. Um, and, and he helped me understand that instead of looking at that as a bad thing, I was like, actually, that's my strength. Mm. that's my strength and this is what I bring to the team and now you know when I'm building teams or when I'm um 
talking about performance, you want to have people in different buckets. You want to have people that don't agree so that you can drive performance. Mm. Yeah. Well, amazing. Um, I'm going to have to nip that in the bud because unfortunately I've got a shoot, but I could talk to you all day. Sunny. And I think that is a problem because every time I have a meeting with you <laughs> or, or a chat with you, it's like three hours. Um, so, I mean, you, you you gave a shout out to a couple of people. Do you want to uh, give us a quick shout out for Han, did you say? Um, Han Chan, yeah, yeah. I can send a link to to her site. She's absolutely incredible. She's really helped me. Um, I know you mentioned an image consultant as well. So, um, uh, yeah, Sarah, who she's kind of Northamptonshire based. I'm, oh my God, I forgot her surname. Um, Sarah, 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 Sarah Evans. So she uh, does House of Colour in Northampton, but I'll put her uh, details below as well. If you do get in, in touch with, with Sarah, let me know because there's like a little points thing in our networking because then uh, then I get the points. <laughs> <laughs> but she's amazing. Um, yeah, I, I, I think stuff like that is just phenomenal. So clever. Yeah, we need to invest in ourselves. That's like mm. the final close, closing comment. Invest in yourself. For Beyond sure. the the Definitely. qualifications and random training. Definitely. Love that. Thank you very much, Sunny. Great to have you on. Um, I'm going to have to shoot, unfortunately, but thank you very much for your time. Awesome. Thanks so much, James. I'll catch you soon. opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the host and its guests and do not necessarily reflect the position of the companies. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are examples only based on limited and dated open source information and should not be utilised in real life as the only solution available. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the companies. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic or otherwise, without prior written permission from James McPherson. Thank <laughs> you.